This is Be Your Own Hero, a Flow Athletic Podcast. Welcome to Be Your Own Hero, a podcast brought to you by Fly Athletic. I'm Ben Lucas, here with Australia's number one yoga teacher and Batlow's finest, Kate Kendall. Thanks, Betty. Thanks for the intro. Our guest today is Annabelle Chauncey. She's a good friend of mine and Benny's. Benny introduced me to her a few years ago and she's an absolute legend. She's the founding director and CEO of School for Life, a humanitarian who's passionately dedicated to her cause and who has quite simply an incredible story. Accolades include Women of the Future Award by Women's Weekly and Qantas in 2014. Paul Harris Fellow awarded by Rotary International in 2014 and, very impressive, the Medal of Order of Australia in 2015. Welcome, Annabelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. So to kick us off, just tell us a little bit about what you do and um, and how you got into it. Sure. As mentioned, my name's Annabelle. I run a foundation called School for Life Foundation. I um, was I grew up on a sheep and cattle farm. I'm a country girl. Had two big brothers to kind of push me around and tell me what to do. Whereabouts in the country? Uh, in Canyon Lee, which is in the Southern Highlands. Um, so dad owns 2,000 acres of land out there. I went to a very small primary school. I had only four kids in my year, 26 kids in my school. And my mum was my teacher. Oh, so we had cute. a Yeah, so we had a K to <laughs> six composite. So I wasn't allowed to get away with any sort of forgery of the sick notes or anything like that. Ooh. I know, right? But then um, I went on to high school at um, a beautiful school called Frencham where I was a weekly boarder and it really instilled in me a value of service. And the motto at Frencham is in love, serve one another. And there was very much a 50% ethos based around service and giving back and then 50% based on achievement. And so when I was finishing up at high school, I knew that I wanted to do something to give back to others, but I didn't really know what that looked like or how I was going to be able to do it. Um, And I was lucky enough to get the marks to get into an arts law degree at Sydney Uni. And I found myself at Sydney Uni and I guess I was a tiny fish in a giant sea having grown up in such small communities. Um, And I was really, really unsure about how I was going to actually be able to use my law degree to make a difference. Sort of dragging my feet to uni every day, constitutional law, corporate law, you know, a lot of paper pushing and just feeling really uninspired and unmotivated by it. And I'd sort of lost that real value of service that I used to have and that I used to enjoy so much. So I decided to take six months off, defer my degree and go over to Kenya to teach English to children. Um, That turned out to be one of the most interesting and I guess memorable experiences of my life. Um, So I was 19, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, I rocked up basically wearing, you know, a long skirt, joggers, had a bum bag full of, you know, every pharmaceutical (laughs) known to man. (laughs) I reckon I could probably have solved a healthcare crisis in Kenya with that bum bag. Um, And six weeks in, uh, Kenya erupted into civil war. There was an election on during that time and unfortunately um, things are unstable in Africa often when there are elections. And I was evacuated across the border into Uganda. And when I found myself in Uganda, I sort of had to wander around and work out what to do because I was sort of off my path. And I found myself teaching English to children in classrooms, you know, mud huts. And the kids didn't have anything. They didn't have shoes on their feet. They didn't have uniforms. They didn't have books, pens, pencils. They were walking between five and 15 kilometres on an empty stomach every day just to get to the mud hut that they called school, but they did it with this huge smile on their face and this determination because they knew that education was something that was going to make a difference in their lives. 
And it was sort of in that moment that I thought to myself, gee, it wouldn't be that hard to do something to make a difference for these kids. And, you know, it's such a crazy thing to think that where you're born can have such an impact on the life and the choices that you're going to have. And, you know, I could have been born in Africa and I could have been up against the same challenges, particularly when you're a female over there. And so I resolved myself to build a school and realistically being quite naive about the process of understanding what was going to take to build that school. And I came home and concurrently finished my law degree while setting up School for Life um, with a vision to provide quality education to kids and learn a lot along the way. I mean, there are a lot of hurdles, obviously. Um, but, you know, as I was setting it up, um, came up against, you know, some pushbacks and bureaucracy, um, some difficult conversations, and but ultimately have got there and um, am now running two and with a third one under construction at the moment. So, mm. and, and how long has it taken you to get to where you are now with it? So I'm in my eighth year of operation now. The first few years were spent doing R&D, um, realistically understanding the, the climate. And this, this organisation has been very much about empowering local people to help themselves. And I knew that it wasn't going to be about providing a Band-Aid solution. Um, this is a long-term project. And I knew that I needed to empower the local people to have the capacity to help themselves. And so we worked with the community from the very ground up. Um, they built the school, they own the school, they run the school. So I've got 120 Ugandan staff over there. Um, everyone from builders, cooks, cleaners, teachers, maintenance, security, everyone's Ugandan. So it's not only the kids that you've changed their lives, but you've got employment for exactly. over 120 people. Yeah, wow, huge incredible. ripple effect. Um, we quite quickly realised that you can't provide quality education in the communities in which we're working unless we provided things like clean drinking water, healthcare. We needed to feed the kids three nutritious meals a day. Um, they can't concentrate if they're not able, you know, to learn and they're, they're not, you know, they're growing um, quite quickly. You know, they can't concentrate if they're not healthy and they don't have access to the medical care that they need. We provide um, access to solar electricity and then bring all of the adults in as well for adult literacy because most of them have only been to school up until year two. So just really organic process of understanding where the need was and being able to bring the community in around it. Is it safe to say, Annabelle, that if you knew what all the hurdles were going to be from the start, that you would have still <laughs> done it? I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't know what they were because yeah. potentially you may not have gone on. But Yeah, naivety is a beautiful thing um, and as is passion, you know, and I think you develop a, you develop a really rigid determination and resilience to being um, knocked back, particularly when you're 21. Mm. Um, and I had a lot of naysayers and a lot of critics and continue to, but the reality of it is is that, for me, was something that fueled me on to prove people wrong. You know, I'm a bit of a rebel in some ways. And I think, you know, I really realised that um, it was very, that um, schools would make a very tangible impact on the lives of many. And I didn't care if that was one person or 1,000. Um, that person's life matters. So that was for me, that's what drove me. Um, and to be invited into people's homes who live in abject poverty you know, mud huts, no running water, no electricity, and to see the generosity that they have, you know, giving me the sweet potato that they were going to serve for their whole family's meal for dinner because they value mm, service and giving no. back and community and family. And these values are just and so did strong. Did you eat it? Well, you had to. <laughs> I felt so guilty, but you had to because it's offensive if you don't, you know. So, um, yeah, just these eye-opening experiences where you sort of get grounded and realise, you know, we've got so much here 
Um, and sometimes the more you have, the less you want to give, which is funny. You know, it's funny the way it works. But, um, you know, and it, it feels really good to give as well. You know, I would I would go so far as to say, you know, I, I'm blessed with this incredible job where I feel happy every day because I am able to make make a difference in someone else's life. So, Annabelle, how long have I known you now? Like 10 years Probably, yeah, maybe even 12, I think. Yeah, that long Yeah. Ago. So, we, you were training at a gym I had years ago and you were feisty as ever uh, back running then. Marathons. <laughs> running marathons. Running marathons. Uh, I, I really find you incredibly inspiring, your determination, your work ethic, your focus. I really appreciate that in human. I don't, probably don't know one person that has it as much as you across the board. So where do you see this going? Like where, where are you taking School for Life? It's been an incredible 12 months um, and a 12 months which has sort of taken my breath away in some ways. Um, 12 months ago I had one staff member in Australia and I've now got six and 60 staff in Uganda. I've now got 120. So we've grown exponentially um, and that has been amazing um, but it's not without its challenges. So we're in the process at the moment of building our third primary school. We've got 560 kids across the schools. Um, It'll go to 1,600. Um, We'll employ over 200 people. And um, then we look to scale and replicate. So the ideal outcome is to create this little ecosystem that's self-sufficient. So mobilising people into employment um, skills training as well. So things like agriculture, um, skills that help them within the context in which they live to be productive and profitable. And then look to grow and, you know, affect the lives of more people. And these business skills that you have acquired, were these things that you just picked up along the way because you had to, because you got it? I mean, I know that you work um, closely with one other, another kind of co-founder, if you will. But were they something that came came kind of naturally? Did, they, did you research them or have you had quite, you know, good help from mentors and, and support Mentoring is you? everything everything. Um, You know, I've just been so lucky to be surrounded by the most incredible people who have been so generous with their time. And I really attribute so much of this success to, you know, having a strong board of directors and then having such a strong team of advisors around me from all walks of life. I think variety is the key, you know, like I've got a guy who's ex-army who helps me with team building. I've got a woman who's a neonatologist who helps me with fundraising because she's fundraising for the children's hospital. I've got an education specialist who's a principal at Granville Boys High School and she's so invested in social cohesion. So just pulling in all these incredible people who each come from different walks of life and they challenge you, you know, they challenge you and they question your decisions and they make sure that everything that you're doing is robust. Um, And it's not always what you want to hear, but that's okay. Um, That helps you to get to a clearer outcome and and it stops you from falling um, on your face and making potentially um, decisions that aren't good ones or could, you know, sort of of set you in in, um, worse stead in the long term. How did you go about sourcing these mentors or board members? Like, was it something you felt that you're missing or did people recommend to you? Yeah, good question. And I get asked this one a lot. I I felt that the the, the process has been relatively organic because I feel with mentoring there does need to be sort of in a strange way of saying it, a a chemistry between the two of you. You know, you need to get along in a way that, um, you know, you both have a deep mutual respect for one another. Um, And what I've found along the way is that people are so generous with their time. And you'd be surprised when you ask people how um, happy and willing they are to help. 
And so a lot of it has been organic. You know, for instance, um, I realised quite quickly along the journey that I needed an education specialist to come in and help. Um, and, you know, I'm part, I feel like I'm part of her family now, you know, over there for family dinners and stuff. And then, you know, you realise that, you know, as the team has grown, God, I've got to instill a culture here, you know. It's no longer just me doing this and, you know, I've got to try and build people into the business and make sure that we've got this aligned purpose and we're all rowing in the same direction. So you sort of bring people in um, as you need them um, and you realise, you know, how useful it is to have such a range of different people around you. But, yeah, I'd never underestimate the value of just asking. And like so you've got incredible goals, vision, focus now. What about before your trip <laughs> when you were 19? What did you – how did you see your life unfolding? <laughs> yeah, I was a rat bag. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a rat bag. Um, you know, like I went back to Sydney Uni to speak the other night and I felt embarrassed about the person that I was when I was 19, you know. I love to drink, um, <laughs> which we probably all did when we were 19. You know, I love to go out and party. Um, look, I think um, I really – I interestingly wanted to work internationally and I was most interested in working with the UN. But the reality for me when I experienced Uganda at a grassroots level was that I realised that I could affect change from the ground up in a small, measured and consistent way by doing it myself. And by being able to know that the funds that I raise are going to go directly to the project that I'm funding. And that to me was very, very important. I think there's a real cynicism around the transparency of donations, where they're going, what's being funded. Is it administration? Um, is the money actually getting where we say it's going? And for me, that was such a core part of founding School for Life. You know, it was very, there were so many ways that I could have gone where I could have kind of jumped on and worked with another organisation that already existed. But to have that real control over finance and the administration and the funding and the projects that we're funding and how we're doing it was so important to me. Mm. Mm. You're still going. I mean, it, I can imagine it can be quite relentless and lonely sometimes doing this kind of work and constantly you know, it's, it's constant asking yep. for money and putting on events and fundraising, you know, besides your rebellious nature <laughs> that I think has probably made you quite successful. Um, what is that deep, deep why? You know, that um, the deep why for me is the, the idea that um, a child cannot have the same opportunity because of where they're born. Um, and I just cannot fathom the fact that there is such a deep inequality and I have been so lucky. I've been so blessed to have parents who just valued education above everything else. And to be able to use my skills and my time to do something to make a difference is so important. And I think that is what drives me. I think the fact that, you know, just even just small changes make such a big difference. And education is something that you cannot take away from someone. Um, it's a lifelong gift and that to me is, yeah, that's the real why. It's inspiring education and every time I do a teacher training, every time I learn something new, I've got this new exactly fuel, new passion, new zest that keeps me going for at least six months. Exactly so and is, you're leaving people with, you're leaving people better than you found them and with, you know, more perspective and, you know, a wider kind of, yeah, acknowledgement of the world and I think that's just such an important part of our education. Brilliant. So your time between Sydney and Uganda, how much of the time you spend you do you, do you spend on 
the ground there? Yeah, so we've been going through such a significant growth over the last 12 months. We built a whole school, 16 classroom secondary school in 12 months. So I've been spending quite a bit of time. Um, I've been over there a, approximately five months out of 12 Um but backwards and forwards, so in sort of three to four week chunks. Um, the business needs me here as much as it needs me there. So it does ebb and flow. Um, but, I mean, I love it over there. It's such an incredible place. And what's the contrast? Like a day in the life here, how does that look? It's very different. More um, corporate? Yeah, it's corporate. I'm talking to CEOs and giving keynotes and um, fundraising and building my team here and you know, making sure we're all on track and targets and finances and fundraising and all of that. In Uganda, it's about the um, the delivery of the project and the operational side and making sure that we've got the right people, making sure that we're vision aligned, ensuring that the kids have what they need and working deeply and closely with the community. And in so many ways, you know, and it's an interesting point, um, I'm very, very perfectionistic, but you've got to let go. If you're going to lift and empower a community, you've got to let them lead themselves. And there's been so many times where, you know, you want to interject and go, oh, I don't think that's a good idea, but you've got to let people empower themselves. So in some ways, I'm in the background over there. And that's a really nice place to be. Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talk to me about your experience. Amazing. I just got back. I climbed uh, Kili in June this year. I took 28 people up. Mixed ages from 19 through to kind of 65. Incredible journey. Um, it teaches you so much about yourself. Great determination, resilience, but this incredible human experience where you take away um, mobile phones, you take away, you know, yeah, you take you take away everything, all the distraction and you're just left with each other and this beautiful um, unity and, you know, we, you know, we sort of said one team, one goal and um, to get ourselves up this hill and we, we were saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant one chunk at a time? You just got to go one step at a time and it's a real equaliser. doesn't matter if you're the wealthiest person there or, you know, the smartest or the fittest or whatever, you're just, you know. I'm none of those things. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was incredible and it was incredible you to see. You can though. <laughs> you get lots of food, I promise you that. They feed you up. Um, it was just incredible to see how the group just gelled together. Lifelong bonds. And then so you're taking a tour next year. Yeah, September Tell 1st. Tell us about that and how people can jump on board. Yeah, absolutely. So we've just launched it. Um, it's another um, Kilimanjaro trip for September next year. It's a six-day trip. You go up in four days and summit on the 4th and then you come down over two days um, and then come over to Uganda if you want to as an additional extension to see the schools. So an amazing way of, um, you know, sort of getting involved in a team building experience as well as pushing yourself outside your personal comfort zone um, and then being a part of something bigger, you know, the community in Uganda and seeing the projects in real life. Um, it was a life-changing experience for me and that's why I've signed up to do it again because I loved it so much. Well, I'm in for next year. Yes. I'm trying to get a, <laughs> Absolutely. Another, Tempted. another group. Tempted. Yeah, it's so great. So how do people how do people find you and get across that as well as other ways to get involved with School for Life? Yeah, sure. So our website is schoolforlife.org.au. And all the details about Kilimanjaro are there. We've also got a parent-child trip next year, which might be of interest. So giving parents an opportunity to bring their kids over um, and be more engaged in community service and giving back. 
Um, and then, you know, can sign up to sponsor a child, which is the ultimate gift really. It's $42 a month to sponsor a child and that gives a child the opportunity to go to school who otherwise wouldn't have had it. Mm. Brilliant. Does that bring us to our lightning round? Lightning. Okay. Lightning round. Are you ready? Okay. She doesn't know about this. We're just going to throw it at her. Um, so just answer as you feel from the heart. Favourite book? Unmasked. To repeat. She got She's me up. One. She got me up, Killy. For sure. Yeah, she's incredible. How do you – what's your favourite way to train? Um, at the moment I'm doing trail runs, half marathon trail runs. So I'm doing a lot of outdoor um, kind of bush running, stairs, awarbers, like, um, yeah. So I like I like getting out in nature. Any apps or podcasts that you love besides Be Your Own Hero? <laughs> um, Mind Spot, I think it's called. Um, yeah, I'm not hugely – I'm not hugely connected into the app space, to be honest. Favourite holiday destination or somewhere you might want to go if you haven't been there? Sri Lanka for sure. Favourite food? Sushi. How do you recharge? Very important rest. So important. Um, I try and disconnect. I like being outdoors. Um, I like being at the beach. I think water is really meditative. Um, And just disconnecting from the phone, just the world is going to continue on with or without you, mm-hmm, you know, okay. and it's okay to turn off that mobile phone. And what advice would you give your teenage self? I think don't be too hard on yourself. I think, um, you know, perfectionism is a blessing and a curse. It helps you get stuff done, but it also creates, you know, a cycle of judgment. So I think just being taking a little bit slower and um, crawl before you walk and walk before mm-hmm. you run. Mm-hmm. And Chauncey, you're definitely one of our heroes. Do you have any heroes yourself? I have a hundred million heroes. Taria is a good friend of mine and I just love her. Um, she has just been through so much um, and I'm inspired by her every day. Um, I've got an incredible mentor who's called Nadia Badawi. She works um, as – she heads up the neonatology unit in Westmead Children's Hospitals. So she's working with babies who are extremely premature. And to see the way that she navigates um, through working both medically with the child but also with the parents and supporting them through that is just incredible. So she's an incredible person who just has so much time for me, um, which I really respect and admire. Thanks, Chauncey. Thank you for joining us. No worries. Good luck with everything. Appreciate it. Legend. See you on the mountain. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to Be Your Own Hero on iTunes and find out more from Ben and Kate at flowathletic.com.au.